the storms. But they are passing over. Hallelujah. Um, but um, good morning. Great to be uh, with everyone this morning um, on a Sunday morning in which we are giving our all to worshiping God. Amen. Um, I want to thank Nate, um, Michael for such a fantastic uh, communion um, on, on hope, and which we definitely do not talk enough about. Um, so thank you so much, brother, for that. Um, want to uh, jump right into this message this morning. Uh, we're starting a new series. And so let me just go ahead and start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you in prayer, God, just so grateful for uh, another Sunday morning to be with them, uh, worshiping you, God. I pray that this message will be yours and not my own, Father. I pray that as we dig into your scripture, God, we will, we will. Uh, this will be a great introduction on learning about how to read your scripture, how to read your Bible, Father. I pray that at the beginning of this year, that as we start this new year, that we will focus our hearts on what you have to say to us so that it will steer us on what we can better say to you. Through your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, if we can go to that first slide uh, for my message and then I'll control it from there. So our, our series um, is how to read the Bible. Now you may be saying, yeah, I know how to um, why, we why do we have to have a series on that? Um, that's elementary. Well, um, I, would, I would hope it may be somewhat elementary, but I do feel like there are some things that we can learn about how to read the Bible. And um, I think this will be good for you, regardless of whether you've been a disciple for 20 years or whether you've just become a disciple. So some of this may be... Um, uh, things that you may already know, um, and so that's fantastic. And some some of this may be a little bit enlightening to you. Um, you know, uh, it's going to be a four weeks a four week series, which um, is just really to encourage you to explore God's word and um, and equip you with some basic. Um, uh, hermeneutical or Bible study. Let me, yeah, I I said that and I'm like, let me back, back up a little bit. Some, let's just say some basic, I guess, Bible study, Bible exploring principles that's going to help you engage with scripture and correctly interpret its text, right? And so in this series, uh, we're going to cover topics such as Jesus as the Word of God, um, relationship between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and Scripture as God-breathed, and the Bible as a book that is living and active. So when you hear some of those things, you're like, oh, we'll do that in the Word study. Yeah, got that, and we're good. Okay, well, we'll see, right? And so um, 
And so, you know, Jesus, Jesus himself, of course, is the word of God spoken to the world, right? And so um, uh, Oswald Chambers, he said that Jesus Christ had a twofold personality, that he was a son of God revealing what God is like and son of man revealing what man is to be like. All right. And so if we want to know who God is, we should look no further than the person of Jesus Christ. You know, when we when we were moving here, one of the coolest things for my son was NASA. Right. And the Space Center, the whole appeal of the Rocket City was pretty awesome and pretty, um, pretty exciting to him. And, you know, I don't know if, if you if you saw the story or you know quite a while back NBC news about the data from NASA that was recently published um, or not recently but you know a little while back it was published there was data released about um, that showed that our galaxy um, in the Milky Way um, there are about 8.8 .8 billion planets the size of the size of Earth that are orbiting around stars, much like our sun, right? And these 8.8 .8 billion planets are in what scientists call the Goldilocks zone. And that is a zone that is not too cold and not too hot for life to flourish. Now, scientists say that the next step is to, in, is to invent really powerful telescopes to take a closer look at these planets to see whether there is life on these planets or not. Pretty cool. Pretty interesting. You know, if we discover that there are creatures on some distant planet, it would be in our nature to try to communicate with these creatures, to connect with them, right? It'll be in our nature to do that. That's what we would, we would see these creatures on these planets and be like, hey, let's say hi. That's pretty interesting. I want to, I want to, I want to see if we can say hi to these guys and, and talk to these guys, right? Kind of, kind of like Elliot in the classic movie E.T., right? Remember that? Elliot, Elliot's like, who? Something is in my garage, in the shed, right? And he wants to communicate, right, with E.T. And the reason we want to communicate and connect with other creatures is because the scripture tells us that we were designed in the image of God whose nature is to communicate, to express, to reveal, and to connect. That is our God's nature, and we were made and created in his image, Right. And so Jesus is God. And so we, we find out that he is also the word. He is light of all mankind. He's the son of God. And God reveals himself to humanity through two primary means. One is words. And the other is actions. And so in the Bible, both of these mediums. Both of these mediums of revelation, they work together. And so 
they have to be, so Jesus reveals himself to us and they work together and they're interconnected. For example, God has revealed himself in human history through his mighty deeds and works. And these actions have been recorded and written down in where? Scripture. So if you really want to know who he is, guess where we got to go? We got to go to Scripture. And there are things we read about that amaze us and they blow our minds, right? They fascinate us. They motivate us. I mean, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 3, 24, it says, Sovereign Lord, you have begun to show to your servant your greatness and your strong hand. For what God is there in heaven or earth who can do the deeds and the mighty works you do? In addition, God also speaks directly to and through prophets in the Bible. Right? And so, which is documented in words within the canon of Scripture. But even Scripture was not enough to fully reveal God to us. As John alludes, alludes to at the end of the gospel, in John 21, 25, where he says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Right? So we've got words and we got actions and He's, he's, he, everything is in here for us to explore. So let us explore Jesus, the word, a bit further, right? I want us to open our Bibles to John 1, verse 1. Because what we're going to do is, the, the reason I want you to look in your Bibles here is because the text on, on the slide that I have coming up was, is not satisfactory. So let's go ahead and. Read our, look in our Bibles here. And it says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And so we're going to find out later as I discuss this that that says a whole lot right there. That says a whole bunch. All right, so we're going to explore that a little bit. But he says, he was with God in the beginning, though through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made, and him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light. So that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the what? 
right to become children of God. Right? It's a right. It doesn't say that they, because they believe they became children of God, it's, it's a right to become the children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a, hu a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. We can learn something about grace right there. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. You know, each of the Gospels begins with an account of Jesus' origins, right? So, so, for instance, the book of Mark introduces Jesus as an adult, right? And so telling us that Jesus, so Mark tells us that Jesus was from Nazareth. It was a, it was a, he was a man from Nazareth whose advent, right? We talked about that last end of last year or coming fulfills the arrival of God's salvation as foretold by the prophet Isaiah. Now, Matthew and Luke's narratives begin earlier, rooting Jesus, Jesus' very conception and birth in the prophecies of old and God's will to deliver humanity. Now, John, however, John, however, pushes his account of Jesus, the word, back to the beginning of time itself. So we have Mark who introduces him as, an, as a grown man from Nazareth. We have Matthew and Luke who says, this is a little baby, Jesus. And we have John who, who introduces him way back from before the beginning of time. All the way back. Before anything else had been created, he was. We learn here that Jesus always existed. As he was with God in the beginning, even before and through all creation. So as we read in Genesis and we read about the creation account, Jesus was. We find out that Jesus and the word brings life and light to everyone. He is our source out of darkness. When, when we find ourselves in the darkness, when we find ourselves in the darkest of times and the most difficult of circumstances, it is not the brilliance of man that will get us out of these situations. It is Jesus who illuminates the darkness and gives us the way out. It is Jesus who does it. 
You can have the darkest place black, but this little tiny bit of light illuminates. Little tiny bit of light, and there is no complete darkness. It is Jesus who gives us light. It is Jesus who gives us a life. So in those darkest times that we have, are we going to the Gospels? Are we opening the Word of God? Are we going to Him? Where are we going in those darkest times? Are we going to the lights? Because sometimes I fear that we're going in the wrong place. Yes, this is a series about how to read the Bible. But we got to know what the Bible is first. It's the Word of God. Yes, living and active as you have learned. The Word is flesh. The Word is flesh. John gives us an opportunity to re-meet God in the flesh. In the very first sentence of the gospel, it says what? In the beginning. For anyone who has read the Bible in Jesus' day, in Jesus' day or in ours, there could not be three or more familiar words. Even if a person has never read the Bible at all, they surely know in the beginning. In the beginning. If John was trying to shake us up so that we could see God again for the first time, then you'd think he'd begin with a different choice of words. He's boldly proclaiming that in the beginning, when God created the heavens and he created the earth, the word was there with God. He was there. John 1, 1 through 3, what does it say? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. How awesome is that? You know, St. Ambrose's thoughts on these verses from the 4th century is pretty significant of the word with. It's pretty interesting. With means separate. Now let that sink in for a minute. You're like, oh. Let that sink in for a minute. With means separate. If you, if you are with someone, then you are separate from them. If you are with them, it doesn't mean that you are the same. It means that you are separate from that individual. The word was its own thing that could be with God. You follow? 
But then the very next phrase is this. And the word was God. So now we're starting to get a little bit of, oh, okay. Right? That means it's the same as God. That is the very opposite of separate. This is just the first sentence of John's gospel, and he is dropping some deep stuff on us here. Right? Some deep insight about the nature of God and Christ. With and was means God and the Word, or the Father and the Son, as we'll soon learn about more about their identities are totally separate and independent, and yet somehow united to the point of being one and the same. John 1.1 already is like blowing my mind. Where they're the same, but yet they're not. Beyond having our minds blown, I think there is a great practical lesson even in the first highly theological verse, right? So here's a lesson. It needs to begin with the word. How did you start your year? How did you start your year? Did you start with the word? How did you start your morning? you start with the word when you have an issue how did you start the resolve was it with the word it's the beginning of the year right it's pretty close to the beginning of the day maybe you have some things that you want to start doing. Maybe there are changes you want to make in 2023. Resolutions, right? The statistics say that many of us have already failed our resolutions. If you were brave enough to even make any. Let the first words of this gospel sink in. It needs to begin with the word. And you decide what it is. Right? The change you want to make, the habit you want to break or form, the relationship you want to focus on, the vision God has given you, right? Whatever it is, it needs to begin with the word. How do we know this? Well, because everything began with the word. Who are we to change it? Who are you to change that? Who are you to change that pattern? It all began with the word. You know, and God said, and it was. Began with the word. The word was there at the beginning. To begin something without the word is actually unnatural. 
It's not a natural thing to begin without the Word. The state of our entire universe is that it began with the Word. That's how everything started. And remember Genesis 1. It was all good. And that's still how good things start today. With the Word. What happens when we try to do things outside of the Word? It doesn't work. Everything falls apart. You see it in the garden in the very next chapters of Genesis. You see it in our world. Surely you've seen it in your own life. Things happen in your life. Things happen in your family. Things happen in your school. Things happen in your work. And what do we sometimes do? We don't go to the word. We go to someone. And it falls apart. It begins with the word. It needs to begin with the word and then stay in the word. And that is the natural state of creation. Let's think differently about our resolutions or the character changes we want to make. Ask yourself, how can you begin what you want to begin in the word? How can you bring God into the changes you want to make from the very start? The answer to these questions, I, I, I think, will be the difference between success and failure. I know that's a bold statement, but here's why I said that. It says, and the word became flesh. John begins with the preeminence of the word. He, he's using the language of Genesis 1 to establish that the Word is God and a part of the Godhead, right? And he's, he's telling us that the Word is so important that it had to be at the beginning of all things and continues to sustain all things to this day. But that, but what is the Word? It's tough to translate. We don't have a perfect equivalent in English, the Greek is logos, right? Word is good enough, a translation, I guess, as long as we're willing to expand our idea of word. It means more than written word. It's more like when you give someone your word, right? You're pledging that you have a plan to follow, follow through with a promise. In that sense, John 1 could read, In the beginning was God's plan to follow through with his promise. The planned out promise was with God. And the planned out promise was God. And John 1.14 could read, and God's plan to follow through with his promise became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So let's, let's hang out in verse 14 for a second. You know, it tells us that the nature of the word 
the format of the plan to follow through with the promise. The look of the logos, right? The look of the word is flesh. The plan was for the promise to become flesh. The logos became a man. God's word is not just some words that we could read like a contract. Or even the covenant promises of the Old Testament. No, it dwells among us. It lives among us. It has become like us and lived and died with us. You can read a contract and come to an understanding. You can read the covenants and know the rules. But you have to meet a man. You got to meet a man. You got to meet Jesus. And if you want to truly understand the person that you have, you have to, you have to commit to get to know them. You have to spend time with them. You know, many of us in here, we try to build relationships. And some of us expect that to just happen. It doesn't just happen. You have to work at it. And sometimes even working at it, there's going to be some tears. There's going to be some heartbreak. There's going to be some pains. And it's the same with your relationship with the Logos. It's the same with relationship with the Word. It's the same with relationship with Jesus. The Word became flesh. You know, and even if you want to truly understand that person, and you, have, and you commit to get to know them. You have to spend time with them. Be open to a relationship. Ask good questions. Travis and I had a conversation about that today. Be a good listener. Endure rough patches. This isn't just any man or any relationship. Remember the first few verses. This is a relationship with God, the creator, the sustainer of the universe that John is saying we can now have just like he did after he was called to come follow. We can have this relationship with him. This is the man who everything was made through and for. And who, by the way, He became flesh, why? To accommodate us. How amazing is that? To accommodate us. What does that mean? I'll explain what that means. But the word had to become flesh. God, God's greatest and clearest revelation of himself is found in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. Right? And Christ is the word of God spoken to the world. The incarnation functions as the final and personal 
revelation of God. Jesus is revealed to the world through the word of God. And thus God too is revealed to us. You know, there are many different mediums of human communication in the world. There's physical email. There's, there's email. There's physical mail, I'm sorry. There's email. There's, there's phone. There's calls. And, and, and there's, there's voicemail. There's voice messaging. There's text messaging. There's social media communication. You know, many of us have, have had this, this, this great connection through Zoom. I mean, I mean, you know, which quite frankly was available to us for quite some time prior to the pandemic. But all of a sudden, it's almost as if it was made for us during the pandemic, right? But it is commonly understood, however, that that old-fashioned face-to-face, in-person communication is still the most effective. Similarly, God's face-to-face in-person revelation of himself to us in the incarnation was the most effective way for him to speak to us. God had to come for us to know him. Jesus had to come for us to know God. And Jesus had to also be revealed as the word for us to know God. That is the one of the main purposes of the incarnation. John, make, John makes this abundantly clear in John 1.18. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. To do this, God accommodates us. The incarnation is a gracious act of divine accommodation. In the coming flesh and dwelling among us, God is accommodating us, speaking to us. What I mean by that is that he's speaking to us in human terms. In a language that we can appreciate and comprehend. You know, in the film, Arrival, Many of you guys probably have seen it. Amy Adams, she plays a linguist who is hired by the military to to learn how to communicate with with alien life forms, right? That have um, arrived on Earth out of just out of the blue. They just show up, you know, just poof, just here, right? And in order to do this, she has to figure out how to accommodate to the understanding of an alien species, contextualize her message, 
and speak to a, to foreign creatures in their on their terms and communicate with them. God does something similar in his communication with us in and through the incarnation. He said, for me to communicate with them, I'm going to send my son in the flesh to be with them so he can communicate with them. And then after that, we'll document it. How amazing is that? I don't think sometimes as we read the scripture and we read the gospel, we don't kind of wrap our brain around what God is doing and how he did it and why he did it. But he's saying, for me, for us to really communicate, like I can't just whisper in everybody's ear. Well, he can. Right? But I'm just going to send my son, right, who is God, to communicate. And so, to conclude, if we want to know God, who God is, we should look no further than the person of Jesus Christ. We don't have to look anywhere else. By now we should know that ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. So if you don't pick up the Bible, you don't read the scripture, dig down in, in the scripture and study it, right? You are on the verge of ignorance of Jesus. The more you study, the more you're going to know Jesus. I, I said all that for 30 minutes to tell you that. So, so where are we? How are you getting to know Jesus? How is your Bible study? What decisions have you made this year to grow in your Bible study? And just know it begins with Jesus. The Bible is a means of knowing God himself. The goal of personal devotions is to know, in our, is to grow in our relationship and love of God. It is possible. See, well, let me stop right there. Let me say that again. The goal of our personal devotion, devotionals, is to grow in our relationships with and love of God. Sometimes we can go in our devotionals and say, I'm going to fix this about me. That is not, that should not be your goal. Right? I would rather you pray about those things. But you get in your Bible with the goal of Loving and growing your relationship with God. It is possible to possess great knowledge of the Bible, but still lack a redemptive 
relationship with the God of the universe. It is possible to possess intellectual knowledge of God through the Bible study, through Bible study without a transformative knowledge of God through a living, breathing relationship. There are a lot of people that know a whole lot of Bible. Whole lot of Bible. That surpass my knowledge and people who I know that I consider great mentors. They surpass them in their Bible knowledge. But their life remains untransformed. Their life remains the same because they look at it as if they're learning textbook. They look at it as if they're learning biology. It's not. It's something to transform you from the inside out and change who you are because you are getting to know the creator, the savior. And so in addition, if we want to know who God is and what Christianity teaches, we should look no further than the person of Jesus Christ. I said that probably 20 times. And so, if we haven't heard that, Jesus is the self-revelation of God himself. And all Bible study, all Bible study should revolve around Jesus. Lead to Jesus and end with Jesus. It should all be Jesus. And if we do that, to God be the glory. Amen. Amen.